Hey, everybody. My name is Sean Pitcher. I am your host of Roots Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest on today. His name is Bill Gillespie. Some of you guys in the strength and conditioning world and the powerlifting world, I, I'm 100% sure you guys know him. Um, he was in strength and conditioning for over 30 plus years, um, at, specifically at Liberty University. Um, he holds a multitude of different records in powerlifting. You know, one of his biggest feats that he's done recently was at 62 years old. He currently holds the record in the bench. Um, so there's lots of stuff that we're going to try to squeeze into this little bit of time that we have today. But Bill, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I appreciate you asking, Sean. I'm looking forward to this. All right. So the big thing I want to kind of start with is who is Bill Gillespie? behind all of that and I know that's a huge question to ask from the start but give everyone an idea of, of who you are as a person I I am just a guy who is determined has more determination than anybody you probably ever met I'm not talented I'm not gifted I'm just a guy and uh I have a wonderful family I uh love uh, being a, a a dad a husband and um, uh, I loved coaching uh, for all these years. It was a great opportunity to minister to a lot of young uh, men. And it's so funny you say that. You're, you're just so humble about who you are. I mean, I do the same thing myself. My fiance gets on me all the time. She's like, you know, you're more than just a guy. You know, like we do a lot of different things, especially in our field when it comes to serving the athlete more than what some people may know. Um, so kind of the first thing I want to really touch on is just you know, your extensive experience in strength and conditioning. You've seen a lot, you've done a lot, and you've worked with a lot of different people. Um, so can you kind of give us some insight on into that journey that you, yeah, you took? Yeah, I'm very blessed that I, uh, I think the, the foundation of having a great mentor was what launched my career so much. Uh, Dave Williams, who had been the head strength coach at Liberty, uh, he, uh, he was so innovative. He was 30 years plus ahead of his time on training ideas. And uh, he would share all these different ideas with me uh, and helping me particularly with different authors and uh, people that were knowledgeable. He would tell me, he says, hey, uh, this guy, Mel Sip, Dr. Mel Sip, you should listen to him. He really knows what he's talking about. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he sure does. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Louis Simmons, you know, that guy. Wow, this guy's incredible. And so he he helped uh, thin out the guys that I really didn't need to pay attention to. And uh, having a great mentor put me ahead of the, uh, the curve. Plus, uh, fortunately for us, we didn't have the Internet. And I say that because uh, too many times today, guys don't they don't they don't they don't learn under the bar you know they don't get in there and lift and know what it feels like and then when you go to coach it uh it, it, it's it's a little bit tougher you know and so uh I, I really i appreciated that journey that i that i went through and and then finding the information back in the 80s and 70s was like it was so difficult you'd have to go to gyms you have to go to individuals and then even then, they wouldn't always tell you the truth. So you had to go and try to figure out if they were really telling you the truth, if they weren't telling you the truth, uh, if they were on drugs, weren't on drugs, you know, all these things uh, played a role 
in learning this information of what worked and what didn't work and when does it work? You know, people tell me all the time uh, uh, that might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If it works, it will work for you at the right time. Mm -hmm. If you do it at the wrong time, then you, yeah, you're right. It doesn't work. And so the trick is, is to know when to use the different theories out there. And every theory that's out there has a weak link. I mean, velocity-based training. I'm a huge fan. Love it. But you're going to create a weakness if you train exclusively with velocity-based training. There's going to be a weakness in, in your ability to exhibit strength. And it took me forever to figure that out. Um, and when I did, uh, all of a sudden, boom, my bench just took off like crazy. Uh, but I'm very, very thankful for the journey that I've been able to have in the process of learning how to get strong, what makes you strong, and also uh, what type of strength needs to be developed. Uh, you know, coaching in the NFL, I got to see some guys that were beyond talented. Guys that you just don't ever get to be a hang around. Sean Alexander, okay? This guy was Absolute so gifted. Beast. <laughs> yeah, gifted, uh, but not in the weight room. He hated the weight room. And uh, I couldn't figure out why he hated the weight room. Well, and I it, what happened was, was this. Well, Sean would recognize that if he lifted incorrectly, he would lose his ability to exhibit his athleticism. Because you can lift an athlete out of uh, athletics. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, because he didn't want to lift heavy, everybody had him do high reps. And he really re quickly recognized, this is hurting my ability to be a great football player. Mm -hmm. So when he saw me come in, and I started going, and I, I did a lot of work with low reps and light weight, he really liked it. And it made sense to him. And while he never lifted anything that was spectacular, I mean, one day he got up and he did a set of three on the cleans with 188 pounds, okay, which is very, 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 very light. Yeah. And I said, Sean, that was really easy. I said, Do you want to go up? He goes, Oh, no. Uh uh. And, but the thing that you have to recognize is that was 188 pounds more than he'd lifted for the last five years. And my job isn't to make him, wasn't to make him uh, bench press as much as I did because the, my, the joke I have is this. I benched 800 pounds, okay? Well, I was coaching with the Seahawks. Our, our nose guard is in a wheelchair, okay? He can't play this Sunday. And Sean comes up to me and says, Coach, we need you to play this Sunday. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, Sean. Stop making fun of me, man. And I said, he goes, no, seriously, coach. He says, you're only a year older than Jerry. Jerry Rice was on the team. Mm -hmm. He says, you're only a year older, Jerry. He says, he says, you bench 800 pounds. All we need you to do is grab a hold of two guys and hold on. I said, for how many plays? He said, three or four. I said, in a <laughs> row? <laughs> yeah we'll let the linebackers clean up the rest of the work <laughs> yeah. so uh, i uh 
he says, I said, there's no way, Sean. And he goes, well, I'm going to go talk to Coach Holgram. Well, Co- Coach Holgram never once came down to ask me to play. So <laughs> the bench press is not the secret to being in the NFL. I'll just let everybody know that, okay? Yeah. So it gives me freedom to make fun of the bench press, even though I know everybody, first thing they want to ask you is, how much do you bench press? Like, like that, it's a golden ticket to the NFL, you know? Uh, it's not. It's but, like any gym that you go into. I mean, that's always the question. What's your numbers? What's your numbers? Like, that yeah, doesn't, what do you, how much and you I've seen it too. Like when I was at Pittsburgh state, we had a guy who hit a 365 clean for a triple. Uh-huh. And I mean, he, that he wasn't on the field as a freshman and sophomore because he was behind and what his abilities were to comprehend the playbook and how to obviously yeah. react in the, on the field. So it's like, yeah. there's your example there. I'm a perfect example there. It's like, it's not always going to relate over to, you're going to be the best player just because you're the strongest player. Exactly. All my job was to, was, was to, was to make them stronger and faster than what they were when they got there and keep them healthy. And, and, and and if if the coaches thought I was going to take and make them into football players, are you got to be kidding me? Uh, No, there's, there's no way I can make a weightlifting team, but I ain't going to make no uh, football team. They got to be, you got to, you know, this guy, he was world record holder in the bench press, said, Coach, when I was with the Seahawks, he mm-hmm. said, Coach, I need you to get me a tryout with the Seahawks. I said, Why? He says, Well, I'm really strong. Well, I said, Yeah, I, 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 I know that. I says, I said, When was the last time you played? Well, you know, he was 28 years old, uh, junior high, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm really strong. And I said, Well, h- h- how about bowling? Think about it. You're so strong, you just fling that ball down there and destroy the pins. And he said, well, I'm not, I'm not very good at bowling. I said, well, what about golf? You crush that ball. And he goes, well, I'm not very good at golf. I said, you getting where, are you getting to where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I said, being really, really strong can, be an, it can, can help you, but it certainly isn't the, you know, the – yeah it's not the golden ticket it's going to be the end i'll be able to on the field no and those guys the nfl guys are so uh talented and the other thing that i found was that they're extremely competitive and if you're not if you're a young kid that wants to play uh in the nfl and you're not competitive good luck good luck (laughs) go to class get your degree because you ain't playing in the nfl uh I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how good you think you are. You're not going to play because those guys bet money in the weight room every single day because they love to compete. They love it. Yep. So if you don't have that passion and that drive. It's just not going to happen. Like, you know, you, you got to be dedicated to what you do. And it's like almost sometimes as an athlete, you got to be a little bit selfish to a certain extent, especially depending on the level of greatness or legendariness that you want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. When I was pursuing the record in the bench press, I, because I'm not very gifted and I started looking at every minute detail in my life to try to get that weight, to get that day to happen when the day I needed it to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you get pretty, you have to get pretty selfish. Yep. And it's just having a good support cat around you and be able to communicate that and and, and knowing regardless the situation and like, I have to dedicate this time to do X, Y, and Z. Like, are you going to be fine and okay with that? And at the end of yep. the day, if they are, 
then you know you have the right people around you. If they're not, then, well, I'm sorry, I, I got to move on to something different or somebody different. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you go on vacation and you got to get your workout. There's no, you know, these people who want to lose weight and they have shit days. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? I, why do why do you want to have a cheat day? If I'm trying to train to accomplish something, why would I have a day that set me back? Why would I have a day that was counterproductive to what I was trying to achieve? I don't need it. What I need is I need to achieve that goal. Yeah. I need to accomplish that. And and I don't really care if that means I don't get to eat junk food. I can live without junk food, but if I got that goal. That's what I need to achieve, you know? Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's tough because sometimes some people have that in them and you have to be able to show them or push them in that direction. And it's just they may have not been in the right environment to foster that until, like you said at the very beginning of the show, like you have to meet the right mentor, the right person to yeah. get to the mindset and realize that you need, need to do that. And this is essentially what it's going to take to get there. Yes, that and, and helping them understand, people understand that within us, is the ability to do far, far, far more than what you ever thought you could do. Far more. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how what we're we're capable of doing, but it ain't. It's we have a ha really bad habit of seeking comfort. Yeah. You know, it, 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 and and everybody wants to be comfortable. Everybody wants to feel good, but then when it's time to compete and do something spectacular. They want to do something spectacular too. Well, it, it, it don't always get to happen when you choose comfort instead of that goal, you know? And I'm sure it's like one of the things you mentioned earlier. It's like, if you compare what you had last time, right? We hit now it's kind of day and age. Everyone wants that instant gratification as soon as possible. But like back in the day, it's like you said, I had to go find this person, talk to this person, read a book. Like I didn't have something at my fingertips to like instantly tell me what's going on. Whereas a lot of now's generation is like, they're just, they want something to happen right away. Like in a week, yep. if they don't see it, then it's like the trust is lost already. Yep. You know, Sean, I was, uh, when I, the day I set the world record in the bench, I had missed it 20 times in a row in competition. Mm -hmm. Everybody told me to quit. I was 62 years old. My body's just breaking down. Like you can't imagine. And I'm like, you know, and doctors were telling me to quit because I was having this problem with my legs. Everybody's telling me to quit. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm at the cusp. I'm so close to achieving my goal. I'm not going to quit. But it got to the point where I knew, okay, it's just I'm not getting any better. And I knew that if I, if I was going to have a chance to, to be the the best of all time it had to happen back in january mm -hmm. and uh i got in the meet and i before the meet i told my wife i said this is going to be my last meet i said i'm not going to compete anymore after this and she goes i'll believe it when i see it and i explained <laughs> to her God, i've been doing it for 50 years yeah you know? it's, it's hard it's hard to see you not do it because that's what she's so used to seeing yes yes and uh but she said, you know, I explained it to her and she goes, okay, that kind of makes sense. Um, but, uh, uh, I got up there and I missed the first two attempts bad, really bad. Uh, it was 1,129, 
uh, 0.8 pounds. So I just say 130. Um, and uh, I got I got ready for my last attempt, and I knew it was going to be my last attempt. And uh, I said, God, I'm content. I've never said that before. Mm-hmm. I said, I have tried as hard as I can try. I can't try any harder. So whether I make this lift or don't make this lift, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I can move on. But God, if you got any tips, now's the time. <laughs> I got to get it done pronto. <laughs> so uh, almost instantly, I, I, I heard, move your hands out an eighth of an inch. Now, in the, this, at these weights, an eighth of an inch is uh, quite substantial. Major. Yeah. And so I moved it out eighth of an inch, and then God said, try to bring the bar down a little faster. And I went, okay, listen, <laughs> that kind of weight just comes down however it wants to, you know? But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, that thing came down, and when they yelled press, it jumped up. It was, and they made me hold it a little longer than normal because it was the all-time world record. Mm-hmm. It was no, for normally that'd be a problem for me. It wasn't a problem that day. I, I just nailed it. It was perfect. It's the best bench I've done in 10 years by far. And uh, they said, racket. I knew, I knew immediately the lift was good. I knew there was no way they're going to turn that lift down. Yeah. And uh, everybody started celebrating and crying. And they said, they are like, you just set the all time world record. And uh, my mind was, Oh, but it's about the 50 year journey. You know, it's about the process. And I couldn't get that out of my head. It took me, it took me several minutes to comprehend the fact, Oh my gosh, I just set the all time world record in the bench with, because it was the process that was so, because when I was talking about telling God, I was so content. It was, it was, I was content in the fact that I had that 50 year journey. That 50-year journey, that process was something that, yes, it was very, very difficult. Yes, there were some, I tell people that, that, you know, people ask me if I ever had bad days. Dude, I had a bad decade between the age of 49 and 59, okay? (laughs) I mean, you know, there were struggles. There were lots of failures. Lots of times I had to get up and try again. But that changed who I was. Mm -hmm. I'm not the same individual anymore. And, and because of that, I know that I'm unique. I know that. And it, it's because of that, it's extremely precious to me. And nobody can take that away from me. The record, yes, they can break the record. Take it. Good for you. I'm, that's what the records are for. But that 50-year journey, that process, because 300 pounds is 300 pounds today. It's 300 pounds tomorrow. It doesn't change. So when I fail to get 300 pounds and I go look myself in the mirror that night and I say, what, what has to change? That weight ain't going to change. That weight ain't going to have a bad day. It's me that has to change. It's me that has to figure out what's got to be done differently to be successful. And it's that process of getting back, looking myself in the mirror, manning up and then going after it again. It changed who I am. And it's, I know I know that what I want to do now is I want to share that with other people. I want people to be able to see that 
I'm different because of that. And I want to give it to them, you know, so that they don't have to spend 50 years uh, bench pressing every vacation, every time when everybody yeah, else is having fun, you know? And that's what we were talking about, you know, before we jumped on here. It's like, you know, give, give people those tools of to the toolbox ahead of time. So hopefully they can achieve it, achieve it at half the time. And yeah. it's like, and like you said, either way, whether it gets crossed, surpassed, whatever it may be, internally at the end of the day, you know, you got to the feet and the goal that you specifically intended to for the end of this journey. And regardless yeah. what anyone else does, you have the internal satisfaction to know you hit that, even though it this. took as long as it did. <laughs> I got to stand on that mountaintop where no man had ever stood before. I got to get up there and look around and went, wow, nobody in the entire world, the most popular lift in the world. And I got to put up more weight than anybody ever. And I think to myself, all the incredibly talented people that I have met and trained with and talked with way more talented than I am. And I'm like, how humble is this to know that you just did more than all of them? You know, it's what a great moment. You're in the 1%. Not many people ever, ever reach that point or dream. No. They, dream they dream and talk about reaching that point. But like you said, they're not willing to put the, the time and effort to get to that point. That's, yeah. That's Sean, a, it, it wasn't until I turned, it wasn't until I turned 60 that I realized, Oh my gosh, I got a shot at the all time world record mm -hmm. up until then. I never, ever, ever saw myself as that guy. Do you do you think your your change in mindset is seeing yourself as that guy? Was that in, induced or or pushed on by other people that mentored you or other people that saw something different in you? You know, it, it was just part of the process in in that in that what happened was was I was able to change some things in my training that allowed my bench to accelerate. To the point where I went and uh, started putting up bigger weights, and all of a sudden I went, oh, because the bench press is by far the most sensitive exercise to energy. Okay, and when you're working like seventy hours a week, seven days a week, uh, your nervous system gets shot mentally, physically. <laughs> there's not a there's not a whole lot left for you for you to develop a bench press with, you know. And when I quit coaching all of a sudden I had all this time to recover and all of a sudden my bench started taking off, taking off. And then on top of that, I got all this positive reinforcement from working with Sornex and Sornex because of the connection we have with Thorn supplements. They, uh, they hook us up with the Thorn supplements too. So here I am, I got rest supplementation. I got the uh, and support. Oh my gosh. I had, I had the, the, the perfect you know, scenario. And all of a sudden things started just going, man. And now you have, and, and then you have the time. So it's just like you have the, the, the big basics or the big component that you needed that you never could essentially do because of the right. lifestyle with, with, as a strength and conditioning coach. You'd be challenged. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're pouring your heart and soul into individuals. People come to you and say, Hey, you got 10 minutes and, and you're thinking to yourself, no, not really. And if you really <laughs> knew how much you were going to put me behind with your 10 minutes. Cause really never ended up being 10 minutes closer to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I never could make it up for the rest of the day. I mean, it was, my schedule was so intensely packed. 
Yeah, and depending on the level you're at, and I'm sure as you were kind of first coming through the field, it's like it wasn't like you had a slew of interns or four assistants. It's like, here's me in X amount of sports. And this yeah. is back to back to back to back to back to back. And regardless of the of the day or the situation, like the kids need to get coached and the kids need to yep. get trained. So like it has to be done. Well, see, we we fortunately we learned a coach way more advanced than what we had. And I was at the University of Washington. And I had 11 to 13 teams. And we're coaching them like, like they are today. But only was, there was only one of me to do it, you know. And <laughs> it, was, it wore me out. But the teams did so well. And I, that was my reward, you know. So. Yeah, you, you did your job at the end of the day to get them where they need to be. And they were prepared and they were ready for whatever yeah. came their way. And that's that's all you can ask for from them and yeah. kind of hitting on that point, you know, you know, what's maybe, uh, I'm sure this is going to be a hard question to answer, but what's a few words of wisdom for strength coaches coming up where they could be better prepared or do better, you know, serving their own athletes or their staffs or, or their universities that, you know, you've, you've taken across your journey that you want to be able to tell them. Well, what I do is when I go to speak to a staff, all right. Like uh, uh, last spring, I went to the University of Georgia football strength coaches and uh, Scott Sinclair. What a, what a humble man. OK, super humble, fun to be around. Just a great guy. OK. And uh, first thing I do is I turn to the staff and I just start chewing their butts out. man. I'm like, let me tell you something. If you think you can do it better than this guy, leave. Get out of here. You don't belong here. I said, you have, you're working underneath him, and if you can't give him 100% of your support, you don't belong here. Find someplace else to go. Go and do whatever you need to go do because you he does not need you. You need him. And I, I think that's the biggest point is when you're working under the leadership of a head strength coach, he still there, Bill. He's in charge. Right. He's responsible to make it happen. If you disagree with what, but don't. What's that? You're good. Okay, I, are it's we good now? Yeah, okay. cut off a I bit. said, but yeah, don't go and talk about his program behind his back don't go and sit there and say how your idea would work so well i would take my interns and i would quiz them and one of the quizzes i, I knew this kid would do this and i said all right i got the lineman offensive lineman i'm out there running repeat 400s okay now why am i doing it i don't know but let's just say i'm doing it okay <laughs> The football coach comes up to you and says, hey, Bill's running repeat 400s. What do you think about that? What would you say? And this kid goes into all the science of what he would do and why he disagreed with it. And I said, that's why you will never work for me. And he looked at me dumbfounded. I said, listen, I also know that it's not right. I also know that it's inappropriate. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not some idiot who just walked off the bus and just started, hey, let's go do this. I said, 
But at the same time, if I chose to do something, there's a reason behind it and you need to support it no matter what. And if you can't support it, you need to leave. And that's why you'll never be an assistant strength coach for me. And he never, he never became an assistant. I said, you're going to end up being a personal trainer. And that's what he ended up being. You know what? To, to so, kind of jump in there with one of the story I had as well. Funny you like it mentioned that same exact thing that you said and went to Georgia. Because when I was at University of Buffalo under Greg Pazinski, who's at Iowa State now, um, literally spot on the same thing. We were out there sitting with the assistants. And there was all the interns. He comes out of his head coaching office. And he tells everybody, he's like, if you can't do the job the way I needed to and X, Y, and Z, you can just leave. He goes, I'll just, I'll just do it with the interns because the interns are going to get the job done. So it was hilarious because he, he went back to his office, grabbed his wallet, threw out his credit card. He goes, y'all can go get a coffee at Starbucks or something because I don't need you today. Kicked him out. And then ourselves as the interns and him ran all four of the sessions that day. Oh, my <laughs> God. And then he basically said, he goes, so what do they think? How do they, how do they react? And he's like, I really do need all of them, but I wanted to make sure that they were going to give me their absolute best every time they come in here and they weren't slacking. He goes, so that he goes, that's just a little technique in the future. If you're a head, head guy to keep guys. on yeah. Your toes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's genius because that's what guys think. Well, tell me all the time if you just give me a few guys i can show you how what a great coach i am i'm like i don't need to give you nothing i ain't giving you none of my guys you're gonna do what i say to do and you're gonna follow my program this is my program this is my team and when you, the coaches are upstairs chewing my butt out you ain't nowhere near around you ain't gonna put your head out there and take and take the chopping block i am so and and, and hey mike clark who's the uh director of performance for the lions he was my mentor for the at the with the seahawks he said he goes he goes you know we're mushroom coaches Mush. i said mushroom coaches what do you mean by mushroom coaches he says yeah they keep us in the dark and their feet is crap all day and, uh, <laughs> and i said he says if we don't protect each other he said nobody's going to protect each uh, to protect us so he says, he says, you better figure out right now. We, we are all we have. And he says, and if we protect each other, we have a chance of having a united front and being successful. If we don't, we're never going to be successful. That was some great advice, man. Yeah. That was awesome. If you're having side conversations or half agrees with this and half agrees with that, I mean, it's like not only does the coaching staff see that, but the players are going to – like. Some people think the players aren't smart. Like they identify and know stuff in like two seconds when they're yeah. used to a norm and then something is not out, it's outside of the norm. They pick it up so fast and they're able to, what's going on, coach? Why are you acting on this today? You typically don't do this today. What's going on? You weren't at practice. Like all those things will add up. Yeah. You know, Sean, one of the tricks I learned, I heard a motivational speaker say that uh, if you run a corporation and you want to improve their productivity, you need to talk about safety more. I thought, what in the world? That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. When I sat there and I, I, I thought it through and thought it through and I thought, okay, how does that apply to me as a strength coach? And I said, well, darn. I said, I go and ask these kids to do something crazy, okay? 
out of the, you know, a little bit out of different than the norm. Mm-hmm. And they'll look at me and they'll go, no, I don't know, coach, man. You know, that sounds crazy. But if all I do every day is talk about their safety, you know, uh, they don't have collars on the bar. I stop the lift. Stop, stop, stop. You got to have collars on the bar. because I care about your safety. Oh, oh, get a spotter. Got to go. Got to have a spotter because I care about your safety. You constantly do that. And then when you turn to them and go, hey, I need you to do this. And they start to say something to you about, well, I don't know, coach, that's kind of crazy. And I'll look and go, yeah, but you know, all I care about is your safety. Yeah, it's true, coach. It's a, it works unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. one of the great, one of the good, uh, big, big tricks I use. Yeah, if you show if you show them you care at the end yep. of the day and you build a relationship, that's what's going to come down to. Yep. So we're got got a few more minutes left. Um, you know, there's always a possibility, like we talked about before, to do a part two because I know you're just a wealth of knowledge and information <laughs> and, and lots of great stories that we could be able to provide to the audience. Um, so the kind of the last thing I want to wrap up with is what's maybe your top two people right now that you feel strength coaches or other people in other disciplines should reach out to have a conversation, look them up on Instagram, social media, whatever it is, who are the two people right now you feel people should reach out to, to learn and get better. Obviously besides yourself, you're a huge wealth of knowledge too, which we'll put your contact information in the bio to people to contact you, but go ahead. All right. This is easy. Number one, Jesse Ackerman. Jesse Ackerman was the strength coach for the Atlanta Falcons under Dan Quinn. Jesse Ackerman, amazing, amazing. I went down to visit him right after I left Liberty. And I saw him handle, having his athletes and professional football players handling heavy weights. And uh, I said, are you ever afraid of them getting hurt, injured? He said, coach, we don't use that word. I said, what's that? He goes, injury or injury prevention. (laughs) I said, I said, what? He goes, yeah. He said, we never use that word. He says, instead, we use words of affirmation, strong, powerful. I go up and I shake their hand. I give them a Viking handshake and I'll tell them powerful, strong. I use these words of affirmation so that they don't think about. And I thought to myself, I said, wow. Every time our trainer would get up to talk about uh, concussions and how to recognize concussions, we had a rash of concussions right afterwards. I said, I said, it's like he talked them into it. But Jesse Ackerman had, it was documented that uh, he averaged one soft tissue injury a year, maybe. One year. Unheard of. No hamstrings, no growing, no hip flexors. He had one year they had a a kid who uh, missed the last part of a practice because he's had a hamstring tweak. But the next day he came back and practiced. So they don't know really if he really got injured or not. But I I sat down with Jesse and I said, all right, dude, you, you lift heavy. You don't do injury prevention exercises what's your secret? And uh, he said, one, he says, I'm in charge of all the volume and work capacity on and off the field. 
said, oh my gosh, that's yes, of course. A dream. <laughs> yeah, that's genius. Because once a guy's developed the work capacity, their chances of getting injured is minimal. All right. Um, people think, oh, we are not hydrating enough. We're not stretching enough. Blah, 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 blah. No, you're, it's your work capacity. We had a football coach that he would say the first practice every year, this will be the longest practice of the year. And we'd go, oh. And then week two, we'd always have all these soft tissue injuries. And we were just like, finally, we said, coach, you're killing us. And he would always blame us, telling us that we must be doing something wrong in the weight room. And we're like, no, yeah. no, coach. Uh, so uh, uh, that, but Jesse Ackerman would be way at the top of the list. Good guy tough but a uh, great coach the other one that i would highly recommend people to get to know is travis mash uh travis is an olympic lifter he was a power lifter uh at uh west side with louie uh but he's also now he's coaching olympic lifting and his kids are amazing they're great olympic we, lifters we saw him this and, year at Thoranex. yeah i yeah i i love olympic lifting okay uh, I, I'm a, a kind of a closet Olympic lifter. Uh, I can, I can coach the clean better than I could coach the bench press. But again, like I, like I've said, the bench press isn't the most important exercise in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, what the clean represents is what I want to be really good at. And so, um, I can coach the clean. I've had, uh, one year at Liberty, we had 83 football players that year clean 300 or more. That's crazy. And, <laughs> Think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had one kid clean uh, 475 pounds, and I did not allow a squat clean. And if you if it didn't look like 225, you were you know if you struggled with it, you were done. But yeah. the the guys put up big weights, fast, efficiently, and we never did heavy cleans ever. That's the trick. Well, but we're almost at the end of time. I, I don't want to cut you off, but obviously Zoom's cutting me off here. Um, really appreciate you have, having you on. Um, I'm going to put your bio and any contact information people can reach you at. Um, they have, want to have any of these kind of organic, awesome conversations like we had today. Again, anyone who wants to talk to me, same thing. My bio information is there too. And again, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to shoot us some wisdom and some nuggets um, out to our audience. Thank you, Sean. I, it, flew, it flew by. Hopefully I was able to give out some uh, information that was helpful.